Will AI replace humans in podcast production? It's not likely that there's ever going to be a 100% replacement. Human discretion and creativity is always going to be required at some level anyway. But AI sure can help, and today's guest on the Business Podcast Blueprint is at the cutting edge of making AI a useful tool for podcasters, tackling one of the major bottlenecks that a lot of us have to deal with, show notes and social copy from our episodes. Carl Sona is helping people create podcasts that lead to business getting done. He's the co-founder of Streamline Podcast, creator of the new and very exciting PodNote service, and hosts the Dear Black CEO podcast, which is focused on highlighting underrepresented business owners and helping them scale their companies by getting access to corporate contracts. We're also talking about getting good audio, why you need to have a purpose outside of yourself to be successful in podcasting, quantifying ROI, and the future of podcast tech, today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. Carl, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm thrilled that you're here. I am so happy to be here, Megan. It's great to see you. I know we got connected a month and a half, maybe a couple months ago at PodFest. So here we are. PodFest feels like it was both just yesterday and also forever ago. Travel and time are still so strange in post-COVID world. (laughs) Well, we connected over podcasting, obviously, and we're going to talk a little bit about what you do within podcasting. But first, I'd love to hear about what was the first moment that if you remember it when you're like, oh, you know what? No, I need to be podcasting. I should have a podcast of my own. Just how did that strike you or how did you get into it? Yeah, I never really had an aspiration to become a podcaster. I mean, it's a relatively new space, even though it's been around since the mid 2000s, but it was never really on my radar until probably about 2017, 2018. That's when I first became like an avid fan of podcasts, probably because I was like literally driving hundreds of miles a week for work as a medical device salesman. So I worked for a little startup at the time. You know, if you know anything about traveling to and from to get in front of your clients, it's just hours of windshield time. And I got to a place, Megan, where I was like, all right, I can only listen to the same rap album on repeat. Like, let me (laughs) see what else is out there that can maybe be helping me develop and grow into, you know, the career professional that at that time I aspired to be. And I came across just a number of sales and leadership development podcasts that were really enriching my professional development, so much so that I actually began to implement a lot of what I was learning. And it actually started to work. And it got me noticed as I was climbing the corporate ladder at this small little startup at the time, to where in 2018, I became the youngest person uh, that did what I did for that company from a business development perspective. So it got me noticed. And very quickly, I, I became like a de facto sales trainer for the entire sales force. And then I was the guy that at our company conferences and national sales meetings was invited to come up and speak about what was working well for me so that I could maybe pass some of those nuggets on to my contemporaries. And a funny thing happened, Megan more of my colleagues were calling me than my prospects. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, this is cool, but there's got to be maybe a way where I can leverage my time, what it is I've learned and make that readily accessible to others that are wanting to like pick my brain. You know, you always hear, I just want to pick your brain. And that's where the idea came up for my second podcast, which was called the Free Time Podcast. And You know, initially when I started, I I didn't know anything about how to really create content or how to get it out there. I would just pick up my cell phone and I used an app called Anchor. And I learned that 
there's quite a bit that needs to go into the production side of things to actually make the content consumable. So that's where I made the decision to invest in a mastermind, a podcasting mastermind that at the time was taught by one of the experts in the quintessential gurus out there. I learned how to do it in a more professional manner. But the thing that I came across, Megan, was I still had a full-time job that was taking anywhere from 50 to 60 hours a week of my life. And in trying to do a podcast and trying to do it professionally, I just failed to realize how much goes into the post-production side to help you put out content consistently. And that's where I came across my now business partners because they were also attending that podcast mastermind, you know, because they had figured out that podcasting was all the jazz for their specific industries. And they were also having similar type challenges just in terms of trying to deal with a bunch of VAs or paying an arm and a leg to get it produced when it really wasn't making money. And in 2020, we put our heads together and we said, you know what, there's probably a way that we can leverage each other's networks and each other's leadership abilities to assemble a team that can offer podcast production in a turnkey type style uh, and an affordable price point. So that's where what we do today, Streamline Media, that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later on this conversation, was birthed. So it's been a very interesting hodgepodge of events and interactions that has brought me to this place today as both a content creator, podcaster, and podcast production business owner. Yeah, and it's also this really elegant journey too, from listener to applier of information to creator of content to seller of services. I, like there's a real lovely symmetry to that, which is which is quite cool. Yeah, I, I like the way that you said that. I think that that is like the really unique thing about content creation in today's world is that it is democratized. You don't yeah. need a ton of infrastructure or resources to be seen as quote unquote media, you know? So now you have traditional yeah. media as we've known it versus new media. We're starting to see, and I'm sure you're seeing this in your business as well too, that consumers are, are really interested to hear from new media content creators. They want to hear straight from the source, unfiltered, uninterrupted, what it's really like. They want to hear from the people that they want to do business with. They want to hear from those that have been where they currently are and that now represent a North Star of where it is they'd like to go. And so it's really cool to see how podcasting and some of these other platforms have created a space and an avenue for new media content creators to easily connect with audiences out there that really resonate with them. Absolutely. I think you said something interesting because people do you know, really express an interest in that raw and unfiltered. They want the real story, but they want it to be in very high quality. They do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. It's like, you know, someone who's had has their makeup beautifully done. If you've done it exactly right, it's taken hours and cost a huge amount of money. <laughs> and it looks like you've done nothing at all. And that's very much how yep. it is with media, too, I find. Yep. No one actually wants to hear, you know, crackly audio. It's not 2007 anymore. We can nope. no longer get away with it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, audio relative to like video, for instance, there have been studies that have come out that have demonstrated that folks are far less forgiving with poor audio as compared to poor video. And especially if you are a person that is looking to establish yourself as a domain expert or as a thought leader, there's some other studies that I've come across over the years that demonstrate how poor sounding audio can actually lower 
the trust and the likability and the rapport factors in your listeners' minds than higher quality sounding audio. So it's not just a conversation for those that want to sound great or look great online. It, it really is impacting the quality of the relationships that you're building with those that are actually kind enough to take time out of their busy lives to lend an ear out to what it is you're saying. And that's how I always think of it. I completely agree with you because I'm sure there's like a deep psychological reason for why, you know, we, we trust this good quality audio better. But it's down to really a respect for the people who are taking time out of their yeah. day to listen to you. It's like you, you didn't even yeah. bother to get rid of all of your superfluous ums. I mean, sure, leave a couple to, to sound human. <laughs> but, you know, come on. It's it's got to be a two-way street here. You got <laughs> I think a lot of people maybe get into podcasting and they hope or believe, you know, maybe with the best of intentions that the content that they're going to deliver is going to be good enough. You know, what I have to say is so interesting or who I'm talking to is so valuable or these insights are going to be so important that, you know, that'll take the place of having to do all of this investment or work on the back end of post-production and then, then promotion. And it just doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. At the end of the day, the content still needs to be relevant to what the listener is needing, wanting, and or interested in. And that is where a lot of content creators and podcasters get it wrong, truthfully. And maybe we can talk more about that later on in the conversation if you'd like. But I have a firm belief that that is one of the reasons why many podcasts that come into the space end up in the podcast graveyard. And for the <laughs> listeners that might not be familiar, that's where you see, I think at this point, maybe four and a half million podcasts registered in Apple somewhere along those lines, somewhere in that ballpark. But if you really dive into the data, only about 150,000 of those are actively producing episodes. And that means that somewhere in the last 90 days, they released a brand new episode. And so I think that big fall off, you know, that level of attrition is largely due to creators coming in, not really understanding what the purpose and the intent of the podcast or that information is relative to those that they are creating it for. So it's really not a great space to play if you're, you know, just a vain person that just likes to hear the sound of your <laughs> voice. In fact, a lot of the creators that I know that are actually really good can't stand the sound of their voice and they're doing it because <laughs> there is a sole intent and purpose for those who they're creating for. So it needs to be a very, very selfless mindset, I feel, in order to be successful going forward. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, we see something kind of similar to, you know, we do a lot of company podcasts and, and not necessarily yeah. podcasts that are, you know, for the love of the game or yeah. even for the love of the topic. You know, this is, it's part of marketing. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the content we're doing for you, but but without the goal to anchor the work that you're doing, is it to engage an audience that you already have? Or is it to you know, establish your brand as thought leadership creating you know, unique IP? Without having that goal to be able to measure your success against, it's really easy to fizzle out because you're investing all of this time and all of this energy and all of this work to see very little in terms of ROI. Mm. You're exactly right. You know, whether you're doing it from the this is the person I'm talking to that I care about and I want to serve them, or this is the business goal that I'm working towards because that's my job. You've got to have something outside of yourself to keep it going. You do. And I'm happy you brought up ROI. It's probably a very natural segue for our conversation. You know, you've been helping businesses launch and scale podcasts for marketing. And, and that's something that our company has recently begun to do as well, too, because prior to doing so, there really wasn't a demonstrable ROI. We were more so attracting the enthusiast that was just talking to talk and what we are now seeing with companies is that when they sit down with us, first and foremost, help them get very clear on what the subject matter is intended to do and who it is intended for. 
And once we have clarity on that, we're actually able to back into what their average customer is worth to their business. I'm not sure about your business, Megan, but anecdotally speaking, we've seen that roughly one out of 10 episodes where our clients actually interview a potential business partner or lead or prospect, one out of 10 of those podcasts leads to business getting done. So let's say, for instance, the average customer to business A is $20,000. If business A can find a way to sustainably do a podcast once a week for the entire year, that leads to roughly 48 episodes a year. And if you do that math where one out of 10 podcasts leads to a client, that's five new clients to your business. That's potentially gross 100,000 US to your company. So all of a sudden, depending on what you're spending in both time and money to actually produce the show, that can start to become a very attractive model for you. Not to mention that for the majority of clients that we help on our end, and I'm sure you see this as well too, the podcast content is evergreen. Just because you make it once doesn't mean that it just goes somewhere to die. It, it actually lives on and it can be something that can be leveraged as a way to attract more clients and to be used as a positive referral for what your business does or what the types of experiences your clients are having with you and your company. So. There are a number of ways to really quantify what that return on investment can look like. And I try to help people understand that because, again, typically with how we've all been conditioned with traditional social media, there can be a a kind of a vanity play in mind where it's all about the downloads. And it's like, well, I really did 100 downloads. What you need to understand is, back to what you said earlier, Megan, think of it as you're having an intimate party in your home and a hundred people raise their hand and they say, yes, I want to come into this party and I want to hang out and get to know you more and maybe see who else is in the room. Would you take that opportunity seriously? A hundred people in a very intimate setting that you could build real relationships Mm -hmm. with, not knowing how they can refer other people to you or your party. And so I find that when people are able to detach a little bit from what the downloads say and actually really look under the hood and then really understand the business side of it, that it starts to become a lot more of an attractive marketing opportunity that they can actually justify. I completely agree. Sometimes those metrics, there can be devilishly hard to track in some instances, which is frustrating, but also kind of fun if you're willing to put on the detective hat a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, I think we approach things from a really similar philosophy. And we've got 30 or 40 different possible success metrics that can indicate hey, this is actually working. This does have ROI. You are not just shouting into the void for no purpose. How is your company looking at that? Just curious. Are you guys noticing that one or a couple metrics, typically very great leading indicators as to the potential ROI in the podcast? Varies a lot on the show. So we use the business podcast blueprints to kind of set the high level goal. So it's either thought leadership or audience engagement or, you know, relationship building development. And then within that, there's a bunch of different goals. So, you know, maybe it's um, shorter sales cycles or, you know, new clients met or partners met, invitations to speak, content to repurpose, training time cut down. You know, we can look at all of these and depending on what is going on within the company, we will select three to five metrics that we're actually going to track over the course of a year of podcasting right. and see how we do all in all of those. It's a field day for nerds. <sighs> if you're really into, <laughs> into that, we have a great time. 
We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the show. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Dreamline Podcasting and, you know, one of the problems that I know you're working on solving right now, which is really exciting. Yeah. And that is some of the time that it takes to do all of the stuff around podcasting. Because, of course, as you know, and as anyone listening knows, it's not just recording the audio and then sending it to post-production. There is a lot more <laughs> that goes into everything. And a there huge is. one is show notes. Yeah. So I'm going to leave that teaser right there and let you talk a little <laughs> bit about what you're doing with show notes because it's very cool. <laughs> yes. No, thank you. Thank you. As with all great things, all great solutions, they're typically, in my experience, birthed out of a personal experience that mm -hmm. you've encountered. And for us, being in the production space for the last handful of years, the bottleneck in our agency was always show note creation. And for those that might not be familiar, the show notes are essentially a written summary of your episode. I like to think of them as the summary that you would potentially browse over while perusing through a Barnes and Nobles on like the back of a book to really figure out and really determine whether or not that book is worth your attention or your dollars, right? And so show notes for us are something that clients have, have come to us to help them with and they were typically taking us, I'd say, two and a half to almost three times the length of the raw audio and video to actually do a good and thorough job to produce. And that was very fine in the beginning. But a funny thing happened was because we were doing a great job, we were getting more and more referrals and our agency grew to over a couple hundred podcasts, different podcasts at one point in time to where it became really difficult and very labor intensive for us to keep up with the output that was required to sustain that book of business. And so naturally, being the entrepreneurial problem solvers that my partners and I are, we started to look for alternative options that could help us not sacrifice quality, but be more efficient with getting these show notes created. And that's when we were turned on to artificial intelligence. So to be honest, Megan, initially, when we started using AI, it was for internal purposes. It was to mm -hmm. help all of our writers get a leg up on the process. What I mean by that was we actually discovered tools and we've now built our own that could essentially get us, I'd say, 50 to almost 75% of the way there without a writer having to literally do any manual work, whether that be putting pen to paper or finger to keystroke. And so it began to work so well and it began to save us so much time that we were like, oh my God, this is something that I think all creators could really benefit from. You know, the idea of instantaneous show notes that are literally generated within minutes of being able to upload an audio file to our platform. And that's where podnotes.io was birthed. At the time of this recording, Podnotes is our artificial intelligence show notes generation tool where you can take your finished produced audio from your podcast and you can upload it to this platform and it'll give you show notes in minutes. It'll give you blog posts in minutes. It'll give you social media captions in minutes. And if you don't like what it gives you in the beginning, you can regenerate the notes and it'll provide different options that you can take a look at. But what we're really seeing is that the tool is helping content creators create content that is more relevant, 
content that is easier to produce and content that, quite frankly, is more aligned to what their audience needs and or interests are. And in the beginning, I was a little bit nervous because I'm the guy, you know, if you ever listen to my podcast, Dear Black CEO, I'm always talking about economic opportunity and creating access to opportunities for folks to go out there and earn a good living. And I was like, oh my God, could this like eliminate the need for copywriters or for show note writers or people that are creating written content? I was honestly struggling with it for a while, but it took me a little bit to understand that we're probably never going to eliminate the human being. Because at the end of the day, the human being is the individual that is creating that piece of information for another human. And I feel like there always needs to be that human-to-human touch point. But what I feel like the AI can actually help fix is think about it this way. How many times have you come across that blinking cursor on like your Word document trying to figure out what to write, but because of writer's block or because it's like the fifth article of the day you're trying to crank out, you don't have anything else in the tank to give. Something (laughs) like this AI, because it's literally been trained on millions of data points on the internet, something like this AI can literally eliminate that by getting you 70 to 75% of the way there. I think about how I used to spend hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars on ebooks and different things that we'd be creating from like a marketing perspective just to get them back from the copywriter just to find out that oh my god this is garbage like they didn't even hit on any of the relevant key points like you know they completely missed the direction that we gave them initially and the ai again is something that for a very low cost basis can get you almost the entire way there because again It's not just solely focused on human intelligence. It's actually looking at all of the data online on the Mm -hmm. internet to really help create, you know, subject matter and content information that that is both relevant and really aligned with where your users are. So I see AI as being an exceptional tool in the back pocket of content creators and of writers that will really help us produce content that is right on time, that meets our readers and our audience where they are, and that literally is so sharp that it's solving real-world problems that help us build better relationships with our audience members as well, too. So we're extremely excited about the future of it and really extremely excited about, you know, the time and the resources that it gives all of our content creator partners back relative to what they'd have to do in more traditional means and methods. It's been fun. I've been one of the beta testers for Podna, so I'll I'll share that with everyone who's listening. And it is pretty cool if I'm allowed to use such a vague descriptor. And and particularly in, I love the title generation. (laughs) I can just generate titles all day. It's so cool. And they're pretty good too. You bring up something really, really interesting is what I'm seeing using it, and I'm sure what you're seeing using it, and you are obviously using it with a lot more podcasts than I am currently. It creates a solid first draft and critically a solid time-stamped first draft, which is really, really useful. And I think there's something interesting with show notes, because show notes are kind of an interesting beast when it comes to written content, aren't they? Because they're not quite copywriting. Right. And they're not quite creative writing. And they're not quite technical writing. There's something else entirely. And what that something else is can vary hugely from show to show. And as you said, you know, with the human touch points. How much do you think AI is going to be able to take over for making those decisions about, you know, 
because right now an AI, a good AI like yours can, you know, listen to a podcast episode, use a bunch of data from other podcasts, find patterns, come up with keywords, highlight important things. But can we train a robot to understand, you know, the key goal of this podcast is to get someone to listen to the next one? Or the key thing we want someone to do is take this action and try it at home or, you know, adopt those different tones, those different CTAs. Do you think that's possible or would that usher in the overthrow of the human race by our AI overlords? (laughs) How do you kind of see this developing as a next step? (laughs) The mind is a very powerful tool. So when I do allow myself to get lost in just how powerful this technology is and how it can compound over the years to come, it can definitely feel a little bit daunting in terms of what's going to be, you know, achievable. But certainly from a very basic standpoint, I think right now, traditionally, a lot of us have really tried to create content around our target demographic. And there's really only so much we can do from that information, that intel alone. I think what AI allows us to do moving forward is is we can actually take it a couple steps forward and we can really analyze where is the target located? What are their behaviors? What are their current values? What is top of mind for them right now based off of how that independent user that is in your demographic is searching online and based off of other content that they're creating? And I think that in a very scary but also effective way, the AI will give us predictive analysis to where the content creator can be fed information that is so precise and so fine-tuned to what that user is dealing with that they can then create that content and distribute it at the right time based off of behavior analysis. (laughs) Based on then a user's demographic and a user's interest, we could almost have show notes that are customized for the individual user. Yeah, I'm going to blow up my computer and move to the country and grow potatoes. Exactly, because (laughs) 100%, because, you know, right now, we kind of have general like templates for how people like mm-hmm. to consume information. But in all reality, yeah. we're all very, very different. And so if I can understand you, Megan, and I can understand how your mind works based off of things that you've liked on the internet or things that you've engaged with longer versus other types of mm-hmm. content, and I can curate and customize that to your profile above all else, What is that going to do from a retention standpoint relative to the content that I put out and when it hits you? And at the end of the day, as marketers, creators, whatever hat you want to put on, it's all about attracting and retaining attention. And I don't really see an effective way to achieve that (laughs) without something like AI taking us the (laughs) distance. So I think of it as like the printing press back in the day. The printing press Mm -hmm. really allowed content and information, you know, to reach more people at far faster rates than was ever achievable prior to. And I think the same will be for AI. I think that content One of the next big leaps forward. Leaps forward, yeah. It'll be more accessible and not just accessible, but it will actually reach us in the precise way that we actually engage and that we actually like to consume, you know. And right now, that's that's still largely guesswork for a lot of creators. So how do we take that subjectivity out of it and really serve people the way that they would like to be served? Like, I think that is the conduit that AI is going to provide us to reach our audience where they are. Cool. We are going to have to get, I think, a philosopher 
on here to talk about what this means about the nature of reality. If yeah. everything you see could be customized to your own experience. Yeah. As a marketer, as a content creator, it's extremely exciting. As a human navigating the world, I'm less excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, there are so many data breadcrumbs that we as humans are leaving behind. And oh, it's true. These machines that are coming behind us are learning all of these little tracks and traces that we're leaving behind. Mm -hmm. And they're aggregating a lot of predictive information about us. Because at the end of the day, you know, humans are are wildly predictable. We really are. It's true. <laughs> we all kind of do so you know, the same four or five different things. We all kind of have the same four or five different thoughts. And when it comes down to real issues that we are, that we are struggling with, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of upside and opportunity there in terms of viable solutions coming to the forefront because those solutions understand our problems maybe better than we do ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but we live in extremely interesting times, and it's so cool to be talking to you because you're right on the cutting edge of this technology, you know, as it relates to our industry. And so is this now available for people to check out and try themselves? Kind of, can someone go try Podnotes? How would they do that? Yeah, so it is available. Podnotes.io is where folks can access the tool. It's essentially a subscription based off of the number of hours of raw content that you upload. So Megan, you are one of our exclusive beta partners, you know, because of who you are and your work in this space, you are one of the very first people to be able to touch it. But at the time of this recording going out, it will be certainly available and accessible for all other creators out there that would like to try to get some of their time back, that would like to maybe come up with more engaging formats or more engaging titles that would probably take themselves or a staff writer twice, if not three times the amount of time to come up with. That way you can keep up with getting more quality information out there to the people that you hopefully would like to influence and move towards some sort of action. So that is the goal with the tool. And we're really excited about it because right now it's just show notes, but there are a number of different things that we are working on that will create some really exciting and interesting use cases that I think will really help creators go the distance in terms of the information that they're creating. Very cool. And for everyone listening, I would like to disclose we do not have an affiliate relationship of any kind. We met at PodFest, yep. thought each other's work was cool. I'm trying out the tech. It is very cool. If you want to try it out, <laughs> maybe you'll think it is too. That's the basis we're operating on. Yep. And you know, I would be, I'm very excited to see how the software develops and how different people use it and the new things that you're rolling out. So Carl, thank you so much for coming to talk about the nature of AI and how we podcast for business. This has been delightful. It really has. And I just appreciate the work that you're doing here, Megan, and the community that you're building. I think you mentioned you have something coming up in the fall. So I'm really excited to go the distance with you and your team and plug in wherever I can in the future. Excited. And listeners, if you haven't heard that in the mid-roll yet this season, you will soon. <laughs> so... <laughs> Carl, thank you so much. All of the notes, all the details for how Carl Sono can be found, his company, his very cool podcasts uh, will be in the show notes. And until next time, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Make sure you check out the Dear Black CEO podcast, Streamline Podcasting, and connect with Carl Sona. If you want to experiment with pod notes, stand by. It should be available quite soon. So now let's get into our question for the week. What's the best way to improve my recording space with little to no budget? If creating a whole audio-treated room is not on the cards, and sometimes it's not, 
The single best audio treatment you can do means channeling your inner teenager. Strew clothing and fluffy things around the room you're recording in. Make the room dark and dim by closing the blinds and curtains. Add a nice rug or put blankets on the floor and propped up against furniture in the corners. All of this can go a long way to preventing those sound waves from bouncing around and getting back into your mic and causing those echo or that bottom of the well sound you don't want to have in your podcast. A not insignificant number of podcasters record in their literal closet because clothes are such great sound dampeners. If you're looking for the single best one-time investment you can make and you're allowed to stick things to the wall where you're recording, get a package of bass traps and a package of acoustic panels from Amazon or an acoustic treatment retailer of your choice and make the area around your recording space as well treated as possible. Make sure to check out our episode on getting good sound for more advice. This has been the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. I'm your host, Megan Doherty, and this show was created by the whole team at One Stone Creative. If you like the show, it would be a huge support if you could share it with someone you think would find it valuable. Until next time, keep podcasting and have fun.